Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us on this Friday, February 10th, 2023, as we get set for tomorrow's Duke men's basketball game on the road in Charlottesville, taking on Virginia. Joining me on today's show, my good pal Donald Wine, the second from Duke Basketball Reports podcast. We'll talk all things Duke basketball here on the program today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them on the Apple podcast platform. We love those written reviews. The algorithms like them as well. Uh, And if you take a moment to subscribe to us on our YouTube channel, that means a lot as well. Watch the show each and every day over there on YouTube. So without further ado, let me bring on my good pal, Donald Wine, again from Duke Basketball Report. Donald, appreciate the time as always. Good to see you. Great to see you as well. And again, honored to be on the show. Yeah, man, we got a lot to catch up on. It's been a crazy few weeks here as of late for Duke men's hoops, starting with uh, last Saturday's victory against uh, North Carolina. What an atmosphere it appeared to, to be there inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. I know that you were present for the festivities there at Cameron Donald. So uh, kind of talk us through what you saw there at the game. It was electric. I mean, Cameron was alive in a way that, you know, we rarely see uh, Cameron alive. And, and, you know, we, we've had great crowds over the years. And I think Saturday's crowd was, was right up there with one of the great ones. Um, you know, everyone, every single person in the building was standing at times, you know, uh, and it was unprompted. It wasn't, you know, you know, sometimes the Cameron crazies like to ask the upper, upper bowl to stand up, but, <laughs> There was no asking from us. We were we were up there. We were cheering loud. And uh, I think it really made the difference in the game. You could feel the energy in the building. You could see, uh, you know, exuberated on the floor. Uh, you know, guys really wanted it. And I think also it, it, it helped that it was one of the, in my mind, one of the great games in this rivalry's history. You know, back and forth, every possession felt like it was a final four possession. Um, and I think uh, it's it was it, despite the fact that both teams were unranked and a lot of people – Nationally, we're kind of dismissing this, uh, you know, great rivalry. There was no dismissing what, what what took place on Saturday night. It was a great, great affair, and I'm glad we got uh, came out on top. Of yeah, it. and then also very much so, despite the fact that the last time they met was a Final Four meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Was on the largest magnitude that the series has ever felt. That's always been my takeaway, reflecting back on last Saturday. You know, North Carolina gets out to an early lead. First few minutes of the game, Duke goes back and forth, a one-point lead for Duke at halftime. But then the entire second half, and you put it together for the whole game, you never really knew who was going to win. I mean, it's just a six-point lead for one team. They kind of level it back out, back and forth, swapping buckets. And the next thing you know, we're looking at an all-time great game, nail-biter the whole way throughout. Yeah, and it's funny, uh, on, on SportsCenter they showed that uh, it was the third lowest uh, combined point total between the uh-huh. two teams in the in the rivalry's history. And if you look at the top ten lowest combined scores, Duke has won all of those games. So from now on, I don't need 100 <laughs> to 99. I need 59 to 58. That because I know we'll win if, if if the game is low score. And it also just showed how UNC just didn't really have an answer for the defense uh, that provided sparked by uh, Derek Lively, who had one of the you know one of the all-time great stat lines. You know, he only had four points. Both of them were put back emphatic dunks. 
And then he had eight blocks and 14 rebounds. Like, the monster out there. Yeah, we'll take that. Absolutely. I want to get to him in just a moment. What a factoid, though, about the best games in the series history. If it's more of a defensive affair, it has gone in Duke's direction. We saw also uh, the 57 points that North Carolina scored were the fewest that they've had at Cameron Indoor since John Shire's senior season when Duke had that epic 82-50 to dominating victory over the Tar Heels. So, yeah, this is just a trend for, for Shire when he's in these big matchups against the Heels to play more of a defensive battle. I think we could sign up for that uh, if Duke keeps coming out on top. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Again, as long as we <laughs> winning, that's, that's fine with me. <laughs> so Derek Lively was pretty phenomenal. Uh, you mentioned the eight blocks that he had. He had five more blocks earlier in the week against Miami. He's been a big topic of conversation for Duke fans, for ACC basketball fans, in terms of his emergence as this heralded recruit, finally making those impactful plays. And it feels as though he's going to be key to Duke's success moving forward. Yeah, and, and you know, on our podcast, we've talked a lot about Derek Lively, as is, has everyone, especially, you know, early in the season when, you know, he was injured and started a little late and also was struggling a bit. Uh, during the first third of the season, I think a lot of people in social media were kind of, uh, you, know, you know, looking down at him and kind of saying like, hey, what is this this number one, you know, tag that he has applied to his name from the recruiting class doesn't seem to fit. And uh, I've we've noticed over the last couple of weeks that, you know, John Shire in his press conferences has made a point to be like, hey, Derek Lively is about to break out. He's on the verge. He's on the cusp. Look out for him. He's about to have a big moment. No bigger moment to do it when you're Duke Blue Devil than doing it uh, in camera against UNC. But it shows the progress that he's made. And if you think about it, you know, JJ, the, the thing that impressed me the most about his stat line against UNC was not necessarily the blocks. It was not necessarily the rebounds, but it was his defense on Armando Baycott. Keeping him off the line, UNC only attempts three free throws, and he's the guy that shoots the most free throws of anybody in the ACC, and he had great defense against them. Yeah, he, you know, Armando Baycott still got his 14 points, but in the second half, it was almost, you know, essentially a shutdown affair and Derek Lively was controlling the paint. And it also, you know, because of that, we were able to get out in momentum and, and on fast breaks. A thing that we really haven't seen this team do is move quickly on offense and transition. And we got 20 fast break points. Those were all momentum shifters. And I'm telling you, every single time we got on the break, everyone in the gym knew that something good was about to happen. It starts with Derek Lively's defense. Anytime you could take the best player out of the game plan for the opposition, you feel much better about your chances. Duke was able to do that with Armando Baycott. Uh, we've seen big R.J. Davis and Caleb Love games against the Blue Devils over the years. We did not see anything near uh, what we have seen in years past. And Jeremy Roach stepped up to the plate. Those 20 points that he scored were, uh, were pretty great from Duke's perspective. Tyrese Proctor had a massive first half of play uh, for Duke, scoring the basketball and being effective, taking care of it as well, not turning it over on the offensive end. Because even though Duke uh, only gave up 57 points defensively, they only scored 63 on the offensive end. So it wasn't perfect, but they did enough down the stretch offensively to get the job done. And I think that's what those games are about, right? They're going to be tight affairs. It's very rare that you see one team explode on offense while also limiting them uh, effectively on defense. It's always going to be a back and forth affair. Uh, it felt like, you know, short of a few, uh, you know, leaky black corner three pointers, yeah. everything was contested. Like every 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 shot had a hand in the face. Every shot had contact, and guys had to fight through it. That's what this rivalry is all about: the physicality, the intensity, the energy. 
you, you know, every single time these two teams take the floor. And I had said this before the game, everyone's talking about the, the records and the, and the fact that neither team has a number next to their name in the rankings and that you can throw all that out of the window, all the metrics, and all that stuff. It doesn't matter. This is just basketball, like playground style. Last team, last team with the ball wins type of <laughs> basketball. And we had the ball at the end and Jeremy Roach, great layup. And then also icing it with the free throws as well. No kidding. What a win it was for Duke. Uh, and they pick up that big victory in John Shire's debut game in that Duke-North Carolina rivalry as he downs Hubert Davis in the Tar Heels 63-57. Duke then moves to Miami earlier in the week. Uh, and things did not go great for Duke whatsoever. Tomorrow they take on Virginia. We'll see how they can make adjustments moving forward. And we'll continue that conversation after our first time out here today on the show. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is proudly brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. And that's why we're so thrilled that they're our new sports betting partner with Locked On. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel right now so that you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Coming up on Sunday again, Super Bowl 57 set to be played between Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all with this app, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Back here with Donna Line, the second on Locked On Blue Devils. The Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. Always a, a pretty big weekend here in our country. America absolutely loves the game of football. What's your Super Bowl pick, Donald? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I, I think both teams are really good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the matchup between Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, I know my Philly friends are going to not like this, but I think in the end, <laughs> Kansas City has that experience in the Super Bowl. They've been uh, to the, you know, it seems like they've been involved in at the end or close to the end the last five or six years. I think they get it by a field goal. I'm going to say 27 24. I love that. I would go Kansas City as well. I think we're going to see an offensive shootout between these two teams. And you're right, the championship experience at that level for Mahomes, I think, will pay off. So Super Bowl 57 coming up on Sunday. Uh, coming up tomorrow, we've got Duke men's basketball taking on Virginia. And, boy, I, I think everyone's ready to see a new Duke game play so that we can kind of wash out the taste of, of the Miami game that we saw earlier in the week on Monday night. Yeah, that was a that was a game to watch. And, and you know, <laughs> we even talked about it after the UNC game. Every single time we play UNC, we have what we call the UNC hangover, and that was uh, ever present. It's funny. I, I I said this on my show, but I don't even I wasn't even mad at Monday night, specifically because I knew this hangover was going to come. It happens all the time. I didn't think it would exacerbate itself in the way it did. I mean, it was. I, I mentioned in the first five minutes of the game, if if we don't have any energy, it's going to be very apparent, and we're going to know that this game is going to take a turn very quickly. And five minutes in, we were down 10 and showed no signs of really getting back into it. And at that point, we knew that the game was over at that point. So if, for some people, it's probably like, hey, I can enjoy the rest of my evening because I know this game is not going to go well. And and 
very few things did on offense or defense. The energy just wasn't there. Miami, of course, was jacked up. They, you know, the Wasco Center, uh, I, my, that's my law school alma mater, so I knew they were going to be ready for that game. It was the first sellout they had. There was a whiteout. Everyone was animated into it. And they knew uh, Miami knew that they could get into, uh, you know, first place in the ACC or tied for first place in the ACC with that win. So they were ready to go. And you and Duke was kind of riding the high of UNC, but did not bring that energy on the plane to South Florida. And you think that's what it starts with, right? I mean, you look at this Miami team, they have 16 offensive rebounds, convert that into 24 second chance points. Duke turns the basketball over 20 plus times, ineffective shooting night. I think it can go all the way back to energy. Do you believe that as well? Oh, yeah. I, I It's been the, the the main theme for me this season is energy. You know, it, it exudes itself in everything that we do. Well, you know, we're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Why is that? Because we have energy in trying to get those loose balls and get those rebounds and get a second chance. You know, fast break points. It's about getting out of transition. You, you don't lollygag down the court if you're in fast break. You run down the court. You sprint. On defense, it's about being active, hands in the hands in the uh, pan, you know in the passing lanes, being physical. All of that requires energy, and if you don't have it, it's very quickly apparent to the other team that you don't. And in the good teams like Miami, will take advantage of that, and that's what they did on Monday. Really tough day for Kyle Filipowski, who's been kind of the scoring leader for the Stuke basketball team. Does finish with nine points, but goes four of twelve from the floor, one of four from the three-point line, uh, and did not attempt any free throws in the game. I think for Duke going into tomorrow's game against Virginia, getting Filipowski back involved in the offense will be paramount. Yeah, but shout out to Kyle Filipowski. This is how good a year he's having. We, we look at nine points and nine rebounds, and we go, he had a terrible game. Uh, <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's just – Totally fair, yeah. How good he's been this year. And and also, uh, yeah, when, when he's not – fully himself then we're missing a lot on offense and so hopefully uh we get it all back i hope this week you know i i said this you know tuesday you know everyone needed to just you know release that tension right say everything you need to say about the miami game get it out the window but come tuesday night you know 24 hours after the game we are locked in and focused on virginia and hopefully there were some very competitive practices this week um, everyone kind of getting back to the basics and the details about what makes Duke basketball great and teaching these guys that, hey, every spot is up for grabs and you're not going to get a starting spot. You're not going to get playing time. Everyone needs to go for it. They need to earn it. And when it comes to Virginia, Virginia is a very experienced team. We obviously are one of the, the – have the least experienced or one of the least experienced teams in all of Division One, But – that doesn't mean we can't use the experience we've already gained so far this year and apply it to Virginia, a team who has always been very, very good, and they're going to try and grind the game to a halt and make you play their game. This is an opportunity where when Duke plays Virginia and they do well against them, it's because they take Virginia out of their game. It's obviously hard to do on the road. Charlottesville is a very tough place to play ever since they opened up the JPJ, but I think Duke needs to get into the rhythm of – making this game a little bit more of a track meet. We're not talking sprints and Usain Bolt. We're talking marathons here. Um, but they need to be, you know, running out a little bit more and increasing the tempo a little bit so they can get more possessions. And I think that will take UNC, or UVA out of their rhythm and hopefully give us the edge. Really big game coming up again tomorrow. Duke and Virginia from John Paul Jones Arena there in Charlottesville. Game on ESPN. Make sure you're watching it. And uh, hopefully Duke can come out 
on top. We'll get set to take our last time out here on the program today and talk about some more keys for Duke to have some success here in just a moment on Locked On Blue Devils. Thank you so much again for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen every single day. Make sure you go check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one place with host Isaac Shade and Andy Patton. They're talking all X's and O's from the college game. Plus, you can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. All that and more on Locked On College Basketball. The show is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Final few moments here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. I'm JJ Jackson alongside Donald Wine. And Donald, we talk about this Duke men's basketball team so far this season. And the conversation this week uh, has not featured much chatter on my end uh, in regards to Mark Mitchell, a player that has had a relatively quiet season at times for Duke, a, a top recruit in the country, uh, a five-star coming into the program. What have you made of his play as of late? How can Duke get more out of Mark Mitchell this season? It's interesting. It's it's frustrating at times because, you know, in his mind, I, it, it feels like the wheels haven't slowed down yet. You know, those wheels that we always talk about when when the game, quote, slows down for someone, it, 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 it all locks in and they all of a sudden uh, figure it out. And I think it just hasn't quite slowed all the way down enough for Mark Mitchell to really enter what he does best. And, and honestly, we've seen flashes of that JJ at times we've seen him, uh, you know, get some high point totals by going to the rim and, and crashing boards and, and having put bats in vicious dunks um, and even the occasional three. And I think it's, it feels like a shot is something that is being worked on. And we've seen how people can struggle when they're working on the rhythm uh, with, with tweaking their shot and just their, their, you know, you know, the schematics and just the formation of how they, how they shoot. So I think he's still kind of a work in progress, and maybe he's a little bit rawer than we imagined when we saw him in those summer workouts or we heard about the summer workouts. So I'm not I'm not completely you know closing the door on him not improving the rest of the season because I think we've also seen some of that uh, you know every single every single game. I think the one thing where he has been great many times has been on defense. You know his athleticism is something that really helps us on the off on, on the defensive end. Offensive, yeah, he's going to have some high-flying dunks. He's going to be able to get out on the break. And as long as he is able to remain within control of himself, I think he will be much better in the offensive end. But, we, you know, on defense, there have been times where he's been one of our better defenders on the perimeter and also inside being able to guard a three, a four, or even a five at times with his length and with his, with his at, you know, his jumping ability. He's able to get rebounds, and we need all those things. And I think with this young team, not just him, but all these freshmen – I think they need to understand that every single time they're on the floor, even if one thing isn't going well, if you're not shooting well, you can provide something on in another aspect of the game. And I think Mark Mitchell hasn't quite learned that yet. Once he does, I think we're a much better Duke team. And and honestly, I don't know if that's something that happens the rest of the year, but I do think it's something that can always be worked on. And you never know when that can turn on. We've seen guys go through the whole season and do very little or less uh, than what Mark Mitchell has done. And then all of a sudden you hit the ACC tournament or the NCAA tournament and boom, Frampton comes alive. So uh, I, I think you'll see, uh, hopefully we see Mark Mitchell continue to improve and maybe those gears slow down a little bit 
If they're slowing down when we enter the month of March, then we're going to be a much better Duke team for it. Yeah, I, I think that's so great to find ways to make these guys have an impact, not just scoring the basketball. Uh, that's what we go to instantly. And so many times we've been spoiled over the years with these spectacular freshmen who score the ball with absolute ease and will and that sort of thing. And then you factor in the fact that this Duke offense hasn't been as great as it's been in years past. I think it makes the need for or the want for a, a high-level scorer that much greater when you look at the Duke team. Yeah, and I think, again, as a freshman, I didn't have it all together. Uh, yeah, Jan, sure. I know when you were 18, 19 years old, we, we didn't have it all together. But at the end of the day, you learn, and, and as you go through life and as you go through these games, it slows down quicker for others, and sometimes it takes a little bit of nurturing to get to that point. Mark Mitchell's kind of in that tweener thing. We've seen flashes of what he can do well, and then at times it feels like he hasn't quite put it all together. But the hope is that as we get going again, applying what you've learned every single day and getting better in practice and getting better in these games, you know, hopefully as we approach March, we start to get a Mark Mitchell that gets better and better every game. And I'm okay with that. As long as you're improving every single game and, you know, some of the mistakes that you have in the last game, you're not making a second time around, then that means he's getting better. And that means Duke will be better for it. And that athleticism you can't teach. So we need to have that on the floor. Coming up tomorrow, Duke and Virginia once again from JPJ Arena. They're in Charlottesville as the Blue Devils look to bounce back. Duke now is 17-7 and seven overall on the year. They are 8-5 and five in, uh, in, in ACC play this season. 4 p.m. Eastern in the game will broadcast on ESPN. Tell me about your podcast, Donald. People, here it is the day before the game. They want more Duke content, reaction shows, and that sort of thing. What do you guys offer? Yeah, so we are the Duke Basketball Report for, uh, as we look, at least another couple of weeks. Um, if anyone has kind of read about the Vox Media uh, SB Nation layoffs, they will have heard that our podcast was affected by that. But it doesn't mean we're going anywhere. We're obviously going to be sticking around. We may have to uh, change up a few things. But you can find us right now, DBR Podcast. Uh, it's available wherever you get your podcasts, DBR, uh, DukeBasketballReport.com. We have a nice forums that people are actively talking about everything uh, related to Duke basketball and even some stuff not related to Duke basketball. Uh, so follow us there. Our community is very strong and robust. And as we get closer to March, you'll want to be a part of it. So uh, after you listen to this podcast, Lockdown Blue Devils, then you can flip on Duke Basketball Report uh, and listen to myself, Sam and Jason talk about the team that we all love look i endorse all duke basketball conversations no matter who it is so absolutely yeah, take the time to, to, to go and do that thank you so much for stopping back by donald it's always a pleasure to catch up with you my friend jj always great to see you and thanks for having me again all right that's donald line the second joining us here on locked on blue devils today as we wind down this friday edition of the program again check out the duke game tomorrow 4 p.m eastern as Duke takes on Virginia. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.